Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. must see the central narrative that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, February 14th, 2023, the 755th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you'll be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the merch site, and the social media by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So, Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. I guess it's Valentine's Day. So congratulations if you're in love. And if you're not, well, hey, at least you get to enjoy a relatively pointless commercial holiday where everything at restaurants is overpriced. And if that's not your thing, maybe you enjoy watching people on Instagram 
write long passages about how great their relationships are and putting them up in public, even though everyone who sees those messages can tell almost immediately that your relationship is probably falling apart. And that's why you're advertising to the public that it's so, so great. But hey, image is everything. And part of a good image is being in a relationship with someone online who also has a good image. Cupid would be proud. I mean, that's what his little arrows are for. Every time he hits you with an arrow, boom, more followers, more likes on your post. And once you've made that post, you're not allowed to break up for like three or four weeks until everybody forgets about that Valentine's Day post. But again, for those of you in real relationships, Congratulations. Finding the right person is hard to do, and I'm very happy for all of you. Now, yesterday we were talking about distractions because we live in a world where the public conversation is beset constantly by distraction after distraction. It's just distractions on top of distractions. Last week, it was reported to us by by a reporter who is considered somewhat controversial. He has been called a conspiracy theorist many times in the past, but at the same time, he's also a legendary reporter whose sources have come through for him many times, and he has broken some of the biggest stories in the world over his career. That reporter told us that the illegitimate president had ordered a strike on the Nord Stream pipeline a blatant and unprovoked act of war, an act of international terrorism against global energy infrastructure. And the excuse for why that wasn't true was because Cy Hirsch is a conspiracy theorist or a Russia sympathizer. And either way, even if the story's true, it's all okay because everybody knows that this was Putin's brutal invasion, Putin's brutal war of aggression in Ukraine. And once you can blame the whole situation on Putin, well, then all of your activities are justified. What should be one of the biggest stories maybe in American history is not really a big story at all because there's just too much else going on. And a friend sent me last night one of the stories about the Ohio train derailment. And she said, the sky circle problem is actually a distraction from this. And I said, that may well be true, but that story is also a distraction from other stories. It's just distractions on top of distractions all the time. And calling a story a distraction does not have to be a diminishment of that story. The Ohio train derailment story is definitely important and I'm going to talk about it today. But it nonetheless fits all the descriptions of what a distraction story can be. It's visual in many ways. You have the huge plume of smoke. You have pictures of dead fish and discolored water. You have pictures of the wreckage. You have videos of a reporter being manhandled and removed from a press conference for asking the wrong questions. You have the potential for long-term toxicity and environmental disaster that forces people to leave their homes. And you're left with the sense that this very scary sort of thing could also happen in my backyard just as it happened in theirs. 
That's not the sort of thing people can just turn away from unless they are politically incentivized to do so. Some narrative will arise that causes people to identify with a certain side of the issue, a certain viewpoint, as if that viewpoint is part of them being part of the team they're part of. They just have to take that position because of the team, because of the tribe. We see this stuff all the time. And naturally, the story is very complex. There are too many details. There are too many unknowns. And you can stay with this story for probably weeks and not get to the bottom of it, even while focusing on it all the time. Much of it is going to remain a mystery. And there you find the best part of the distraction. The stories have to be mysterious. So they have to be visual in a way that makes you feel like you are experiencing the reality of the event in your own life. They have to be threatening and give you the sense that this same sort of thing could happen to you. And they have to be mysterious enough to keep your attention while never allowing you to fully understand the situation, no matter how much attention you give it. And so just in the last week, Since we had this report about Biden's unprovoked act of war against the people of Russia, against the people of Germany, all of whom are going to have their lives affected by the hike in energy prices and the escalation of violence in their region, we've had distraction after distraction. One sky circle, two sky circles, three sky circles, one of which is an octagon. We have the ridiculousness of the Super Bowl. And then just as we're starting to get into the train derailment, well, it turns out we didn't have enough mysteries to solve. We're getting too close to solving certain mysteries. Therefore, we need a new mystery. Solve this mystery first, and then you can return to the other mysteries you're trying to solve. If you solve these mysteries quickly enough, then you might begin really making some headway on some of those deeper, more long-term mysteries. And we can't have that, so let's toss some new, tiny, short-term mysteries just right into your face. You can't avoid them because everybody's going to talk about them. So now you have to solve them. And sometimes they're going to take 30 minutes, and sometimes they're going to take 30 days, and sometimes they're going to take 30 years. But the point is that you get 1,000 mysteries to solve all at once. Now, solve them. And until you're able to solve them, what you have to do is argue about them with strangers online. And that should keep you good and occupied until we figure out some more mysteries to throw in all your faces. And so naturally, we got one of those last night. There was an active shooter at Michigan State University, and all eyes will always focus immediately on an active shooter situation because we are told this is about to be the most important thing in the world, more important than anything else. Everybody knows as soon as you hear the words active shooter, you have to be online all the time until you figure out how the shooting was racist or how we get rid of the guns. At least that's how it always used to be. One active shooter story could get us two weeks, four weeks, a couple months. Who knows? They love active shooter stories because those usually give them long-term mysteries. But those long-term mysteries really aren't playing anymore. 
because it just so happens, and I'm sure that this is a product of nothing but coincidence, but it just so happens that every time we hear about a mass shooting, it always turns out to be a suspect that was on the radar of law enforcement, a suspect with prior weapons charges who shouldn't have had a gun in the first place. And lately, it turns out to be a subject that's not even a white man, which makes it really, really hard to call the incident racist. How are we going to make an active shooter story work if you can't say it's racism and you can't say it's because of our gun laws? And it turns out that you can't actually make those stories work. So last night, not long after the Michigan State University shooter story dropped, we found out that the suspect was a short male in a mask, according to CNN. Except the people who made that report that CNN was citing said it was a short male in a mask who was black. And I guess CNN being the anti-racists that they are just don't even see that word. They just go right over it. They're so spiritually advanced beyond putting everything in the terms of race that they don't even see the fact that the suspect was black in the story they're citing and they just failed to let the public know. Well, after you know that the suspect is not a white man that they can tie to MAGA extremism, you can expect the story to disappear really quickly. And I said to my friend, we will know that this story is going to disappear in under 24 hours when CNN tomorrow morning shifts to personal interest stories about the victims. And if you go to CNN.com, Right now, you can see their main headline story, top left corner, shooting survivor. I will never forget the screams of my classmates. How did I know? How did I know what CNN would be talking about the next morning coming out of an active shooter situation? 12 hours and the active shooter situation is on its way out of the headlines. They are now just covering the feelings of of the victims. And if you watch the coverage, you'll see that those victims weren't actually involved in any way. They just heard about the incident and all ran over to a parking lot. Now, I'm not saying that it didn't happen. and I'm not saying that these people weren't rightly scared for their lives. I'm just saying that these people being scared for their lives during an active shooter incident isn't news. So why does CNN have it as their main headline this morning? I will never forget the screams of my classmates. Really, CNN? There is nothing you could be using that space to report that's more newsworthy than the screams of someone's classmates? It's almost like they're not really trying to inform the public at all. And if it sounds like I'm cynical, hey, all right. Let's look over on the right side of CNN's headline page. What do we have? Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes reacts to Jalen Hurts' performance. Ted Lasso gets a season three return date. Olivia Wilde called ASAP Rocky hot and got roasted for it. And a child actor named Austin Majors is dead at 27 and as usual, the cause of death is totally undetermined. But according to CNN, this is what you should fill your day with. 
So let's blaze through these mysteries as quickly as we can in order to eventually refocus on stuff that the regime doesn't want you talking about. This is from Reuters this morning. Michigan State gunman's motive in killing three students eludes investigators. Michigan authorities on Tuesday said they have no idea why a 43-year-old man killed three Michigan State students and wounded five others before turning the gun on himself, the latest in an epidemic of mass shootings on U.S. campuses. See that? It's an epidemic. Could happen anywhere. Could happen to you. The gunman identified as Anthony Dwayne McRae of Lansing, Michigan, shot himself to death after the rampage on Monday night. Jim Taraska, special agent in charge of the FBI's Detroit office, set out a briefing. McRae had no known affiliation to the university in East Lansing, about 90 miles northwest of Detroit. And thank goodness we have the FBI on the case, because it's always better to know that the Department of Justice is involved in getting to the bottom of things. Police have no idea why he came to campus to do this tonight, said Chris Rosman, interim deputy chief of the Michigan State University Police Force. Oh, wow. Interim deputy chief of the college's police force. Sophomore Claire Papulius was sitting in her Cuban history class when the gunman entered her classroom. She said she dropped to the floor when she started hearing gunshots directly behind her head. I will never forget the screams of my classmates because they were screaming in pain for help, Papulius said on NBC's Today Show. Someone was yelling that there was a shooter and everybody needed to get down on the ground. And at that moment, I thought that I was going to die. I was so scared. Now, that would be very scary. And to deal with such fear, the best thing to do is go on NBC's Today Show. The five wounded students were in critical condition at E.W. Sparrow Hospital, where surgery was performed on four of them. Dr. Denny Martin, the hospital's interim president and chief medical officer, said during the briefing as he struggled to keep his composure. I am filled with rage that we have to have another press conference to talk about children being killed in our schools. Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin, who represents the area, said. If this is not a wake-up call to do something, then I don't know what is. The shooting took place about 30 miles south of Oxford, Michigan, where a teenage gunman in 2021 used a rifle his father bought as a Christmas present to kill four students at the local high school. Monday's shooting came a day before the five-year anniversary of the Valentine's Day Massacre at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, which left 17 students and teachers dead. Another place that is supposed to be about community and togetherness is shattered by bullets and bloodshed. We know that this is a uniquely American problem. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer said during the briefing, noting that she spoke to President Joe Biden about the incident. So no one knows why it happened. The gunman is already dead, which means we will never have answers on that. And since we can't tell you any more about the story, just remember to be scared and let's celebrate the anniversary of the Parkland shooting with more fear. And hey, if you guys want to begin referring to the Parkland shooting as the Valentine's Day massacre, we here at Reuters are not going to stop you from doing so. So now let's turn to the little mystery of the architect of the Capitol, Brett Blanton, who I discussed on this podcast last week leading up to the State of the Union. 
because I thought it was strange that Blanton was one of the people to vote for the fencing to be erected around the Capitol again. We didn't hear a whole lot from the Biden administration about why that fencing went up. We didn't hear a lot from the House of Representatives or the Senate about why it went up. But we were told to assume that it was because there might be a threat of MAGA extremist violence there, too. Well, yesterday, this is the New York Post. Biden fires Capitol architect after misuse of vehicle and January 6th absence. Two absolutely unconscionable crimes. The misuse of a vehicle and not being at January 6th. President Biden dismissed architect of the Capitol, Brett Blanton, Monday amid calls from lawmakers of both parties for him to step down over allegations that he misused government property and impersonated a law enforcement officer and following Blanton's admission that he stayed away from the Capitol building during the 2021 riot by supporters of former President Donald Trump. After doing our due diligence, the architect of the Capitol was terminated at the president's discretion, a White House official said in a statement. Just before news broke of Blanton's firing, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy tweeted that Blanton, quote, no longer has my confidence to continue in his job. He should resign or President Biden should remove him immediately. Blanton had appeared before the Committee on House Administration last week to respond to a watchdog report from October, which claimed that he misused his agency vehicle at taxpayer expense and misrepresented himself as a law enforcement officer during a hit and run near his residence. The report also found Blanton allowed unauthorized use of his work vehicle, including by his wife and teenage daughter, who racked up nearly 30,000 miles, about triple the estimate for official use. The watchdog also found that Blanton had taken vehicles as far from the nation's capital as South Carolina and Florida. I know, it's horrifying. In response to the latter claim, Blanton said that he needed his agency car close at hand in the event he had to rush back to Washington. However, he undercut his own argument by noting that he also took care to arrange vacations where he could quickly receive a military transport to the Capitol, invalidating his purported need for the car. Well, yeah, also, if you're going far away, taking a car is not what allows you to get back quickly. (laughs) These stories, man, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you at this point. This is just what they're telling us. During the hearing, Blanton also admitted that he wasn't at the Capitol during the riot because he didn't think it would be prudent to drive in that day, infuriating lawmakers who were trapped in the building while attempting to count the 2020 Electoral College votes. Instead of being on the scene, Blanton said he used his agency vehicle as a quote unquote mobile command post, monitoring events on police radio and directing his personnel. I find it mind boggling that the head of the AOC, the leader, knowing what you knew, probably a lot more than we did that day, would not have been in this building ensuring the safety and security, not only of the building, but of the employees that you lead. Representative Stephanie Bice, Republican of Oklahoma, said at the hearing, I'm outraged that you would be in a comfortable place, sir, while the rest of us were thinking about dying that day and about how we were going to come out alive that day raged Representative Norma Torres from California. And you can guess what party. 
Outrageous that you were not here. <laughs> Why did she want to put his life at risk? Was he going to swoop in and save them all as the architect of the Capitol? Is that what we're supposed to believe? These people are still pretending that they were afraid of dying on January 6th, 2021. It is a testament to the disintegration of our society that these people are even taken seriously saying this stuff at this point, much less that they still have jobs representing real people in government. Committee Chairman Brian Steele of Wisconsin said in a statement on Monday that Blanton can no longer lead. The architect of the Capitol plays a key role in preserving the Capitol campus and should be focused on ensuring the institution works for members, committees, staff, and most importantly, the American people, Steele said. The inspector general's report was highly concerning, which is in part why our first hearing was dedicated to providing oversight over the AOC. His refusal to be transparent and truthful has made clear that he can no longer lead the organization and must resign immediately. The AOC's office is responsible for maintaining many of the notable structures on Capitol Hill, including the Capitol itself, Senate and House office buildings, the Supreme Court and the Library of Congress. The architect's office last year removed Post founder, this is New York Post founder, Alexander Hamilton's 19th century marble statue from the Capitol Rotunda to make room for a brand new bronze likeness of former President Harry Truman. Angelo Rofaro, a spokesperson for Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on Monday, reiterated that the top Democrat wants the office to put Hamilton back. We need more Hamilton in the Capitol. Last year's performance on January 6th, 2022, the anniversary of January 6th, 2021, where the cast of Hamilton sang a song on the TV screen to Nancy Pelosi's big anniversary ceremony was not enough. We need statues of Hamilton everywhere. And maybe we need some statues of Lin-Manuel Miranda too. The architect of the Capitol also serves on the Capitol Police Board. Oh, now that's interesting, which oversees the force and is in charge of security arrangements. I wholeheartedly reject any assertion that I have engaged in unethical behavior during my service to this country while serving in this particular role. I have taken my commitment to transform the agency's culture to promote a positive workplace for every AOC employee, Blanton said at the hearing. Moreover, I have fully invested to ensure that I meet the responsibilities and the expectations of this role, he added. Blanton was nominated for a 10-year term as AOC by Trump in December 2019 and was sworn in the following January. A 22-year veteran of the Naval Civil Engineer Corps, Blanton retired from the service in 2015 and became Deputy Vice President for Engineering at the Metropolitan Washington Airports Authority, which oversees Ronald Reagan and Dulles International. And it's a little unclear exactly how he's leaving his post. Some reports have said he resigned. And then we also have Biden fired him. And then the White House simply said he's been dismissed. But we're going to have to keep an eye on this one because it is very strange. You don't have to take my word for it. Maybe you think I'm reading too much into it. And that's just fine. But they were upset he wasn't there on January 6th. The other stuff sounds just like kind of extraneous nonsense, like they just kept throwing in more little tiny things that he did, even though all of them do it to make this 
claim actually seem important to get him out of his job. It seems like in one way or another, he's being pushed out. The question is by whom and for what reason? And I would surmise it has something to do with January 6th. And all of that has something to do with his vote to fence off the Capitol last week. I suspect this is not the last we're going to hear of J. Brett Blanton, AOC, architect of the Capitol. And let's briefly return to our favorite mystery of all, the mystery about all of these sky circles just spawning in American airspace as they visit us from another dimension. This is the official story as delivered from CNN today. White House says leading theory is objects shot down were benign balloons as it tries to tamp down on conspiracies. Why is the White House trying to tamp down on conspiracies, but failing to understand that the way to tamp down on conspiracies is to give clear, concise, and truthful answers about exactly what the hell is going on? It's like they can't even do it. Why can't they do it? Do they just not have the information? The leading explanation among U.S. intelligence officials is that three objects shot down over North America last weekend were balloons being flown for benign purposes. The White House said Tuesday, the furthest the administration has gone in describing the as yet unidentified crafts. So the furthest the administration has gone in explaining what's happening here is saying that it is likely the objects were balloons being flown for benign purposes. Thank goodness we called in the military and shot them all down immediately without finding out. And it's important to note that neither CNN nor the administration are saying that's actually what they were and this is what happened. They're just saying that this is the leading explanation among U.S. intelligence officials, at least among the ones they've talked to. The three mystery aerial devices have consumed areas of the federal government since they were shot down over the past several days. I don't know what it means to consume areas of the federal government, but again, we're talking about people who don't know how to write in the English language. So whatever. The administration hasn't been able to say with certainty what they were doing, where they were from, or even what type of craft they were. Conditions ripe for conspiracies. Oh, so they do know that providing terrible inconsistent and obviously untrue explanations might lead people to wonder why all those explanations are so clearly false and why they're not just giving us the true explanations instead, as if they might have some other motive. What kind of people would ever consider that? Conspiracy theorists, that's who, just those crazy people out there who are like, hey, you're telling me something that is quite obviously a lie, and I would like to know the truth. Or at least all I originally wanted was the truth. Now I also want to know why you're so obviously lying to me. It's because I'm a conspiracy theorist. The White House, recognizing the potential for the spread of outlandish theories, has sought to tamp down on fears the objects could have originated from a hostile state or even from outer space. On Tuesday, a top White House official suggested they were likely harmless. 
the intelligence community is considering as a leading explanation that these could just be balloons tied to some commercial or benign purpose. John Kirby, the strategic communication coordinator at the National Security Council, said Tuesday, Kirby said he was comfortable ruling out the possibility the objects belonged to the U.S. government and said there was currently no indication they were connected to China's spy balloon program, which has commanded attention after the U.S. shot down a Chinese spy balloon earlier this month on Capitol Hill. Senators emerging from a classified briefing on the objects said they were reassured after hearing from administration officials that the objects posed no threat to the American people. There are a lot of things that are up in the air from time to time, some commercial, some government, and maybe there's some things we don't know, said Mitt Romney, adding that he wasn't worried in the slightest that the objects themselves pose a threat to the American people. The disclosures seem designed to put to rest ongoing speculation about the origins of the balloons, the remnants of which are still waiting to be collected by investigators. Administration officials have increasingly cast doubt on their ability to fully recover debris from the objects, given tough conditions where they landed. Getting our hands on that debris and having investigators look at that debris would certainly be of immense value in terms of our ability to positively identify what these objects were and what their purpose was. So we're going to continue those intensive recovery efforts because they're important, Kirby said. So far, those efforts have been hampered by what he described as pretty tough conditions. Exacerbated by the geographic challenges on Lake Huron, in the Yukon wilderness, and on sea ice north of Alaska. Pretty tough weather conditions, let alone just geographically. Just a tough time of the year, Kirby said, noting that the Chinese spy balloon debris recovery off the coast of South Carolina earlier this month was also hampered by high seas in the Atlantic Ocean due to the time of year. Kirby said the government was relying instead on information and expertise from the Federal Aviation Administration and the intelligence community to glean what they could about the mysterious airborne devices. We don't know of any evidence right now that confirms that they were in fact doing intelligence collection by another government, he said. <laughs> Honestly, they could be anything. And unfortunately, they were all taken down in those places and at this time of year where we aren't going to be able to recover them. And the truth is that we are never going to know. But thank goodness for Joe Biden's quick and decisive action to shoot down the original sky circle after it had traversed the entire country and waited for it to get right over the ocean where we would never be able to recover it, unfortunately. And even though Joe Biden performed the functions of his job perfectly in that original incident with the mother of all sky circles, conspiracy theorists online just weren't satisfied knowing that Joe Biden took such quick and decisive action after the Chinese spy balloon had completed its mission. Those conspiracy theorists started making a big deal out of it. And so we decided we're just going to go shoot down a bunch more things in the sky. We're going to show them we are in control. Joe Biden is quick and decisive. And if you don't like his quick and decisive decisions after they've taken eight days, maybe you'll prefer his quick and decisive responses where he responds immediately in a similarly incompetent fashion. The important thing is that for now, we are unaware 
of any further sky circles anywhere for now. But let's jump down to the part where they address aliens. The headline on this part of the article is not from outer space. But in the briefing filled with unanswered questions, one statement from the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, was as definitive as anything else. The U.S. military had not shot down any UFOs from outer space. As definitive as anything else is not a real standard. I mean, what are they talking about? There is no, again, no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these recent takedowns, she said. Wanted to make sure that the American people knew that. All of you knew that. And it was important for us to say it from here because we've been hearing a lot about it. And yes, you can all rest easy now because the worst press secretary in the history of fake presidents has told us in a way as definitive as everything else, she says, that it's not aliens. Officials have been particularly sensitive to the inherently mysterious nature of the airborne objects and how ripe the recent series of events was for conspiracy theories. Everyone wants answers that no one has at the moment. One official said, conceding there was a risk with the void of information that conspiracies could sprout. And there's one more part of the sky circle mystery worth addressing. And that's this. This is from Fox News today. U.S. Sidewinder missile that missed object landed harmlessly in Lake Huron, Millie says. The U.S. Sidewinder missile that missed the object above Lake Huron landed harmlessly in the water, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff General Mark Milley said Tuesday. Milley and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin held a press conference regarding Sunday's missile strike on the object floating over Lake Huron on Tuesday. Milley said the Defense Department had cleared out the airspace surrounding the object up to the Sidewinder's maximum effective range, ensuring that there wouldn't be any collateral damage. First shot missed, second shot hit. Millie told reporters, we go to great lengths to make sure that the airspace is clear and the backdrop is clear up to the max effective range of the missile. And in this case, the missiles land or the missile landed harmlessly in the water of Lake Huron. We saw, we tracked it all the way down and we made sure that the airspace was clear of any commercial, civilian or recreational traffic, he added. Millie added that the missile did not detonate on impact with the water and is now resting unarmed on the bottom of the lake. Rest easy, everybody. Our fake president ordered the takedown of a series of unknown sky circles, and they only missed once, sending a stray Sidewinder missile out over Lake Huron. And apparently, we're just going to have to take their word for it, they tracked it as it went into the water, and now that missile is A-OK just at the bottom of Lake Huron, where it's never going to bother anybody, and we will never hear about this ever again for sure. And if you're anything like me, you might be a little disappointed to hear that the Sidewinder missile just landed in the lake. Could have just kept flying around, circling the globe over and over and over again, and just taking out whatever sky circles it ends up coming into contact with. That would have been friggin' awesome, and everybody knows it. 
In fact, if Joe Biden wanted to prove that he was really serious about this sky circle problem, he would send a whole team of F-16s and F-22s and all of the Fs up into the sky to shoot missiles and just have them go out straight, just kind of blanket the whole surface of Earth with flying missiles. And that way, there's no way any sky circles will be left after this. Now, the strange thing about all of this is that we are told that these three targets that were taken down over the weekend were benign and of unknown origin, while also not being told what they were in any way or where they came from in any way, naturally because they have unknown origin. But if you don't know what it is and you don't know where it's from, how the hell do you know it's benign? And if all the pieces of the object landed in places where the time of year makes it impossible for them to be recovered, then the only way you could assess whether or not they're benign is by observing them while they're still in the sky. And if you know they're benign while they're still in the sky, why did we have the military scatter fighter jets in order to take them down and miss once? At this point, I am going to have to see Joe Biden fight a sky circle in a ring mano a mano before I believe any of this nonsense is real. So let's get into something that's being distracted from while also being a distraction from something else. The train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Tucker Carlson actually did uh, his monologue last night on not only this incident, but a number of other incidents around the country, including train derailments, which we are having a spate of. Apparently, the Internet has decided that these things actually happen all the time, so we shouldn't be all that concerned with them. Why are you making a big deal about this thing when it happens other times, too? Some random stranger yelled at me online today as if that was going to deter me in any way. And that random internet person on Twitter sent me an article from Vox in 2015 about a train derailment where that article in Vox was making the same argument that this sort of thing happens all the time. Therefore, understand that it's not a big deal. You're actually just cherry picking this one to make a big deal of it. Don't you see in your ignorance, you thought that this train derailment and this toxic environmental disaster were actually important. But the truth is this stuff happens all the time. Well, hey, Kami, A, no, it doesn't. And B, even if it did, why is it important to you that people stop talking about this incident? What are you worried about? Oh, you think the incident is going to make the fake president look bad while he already looks as bad as any fake president ever could? I get it. See, now we're on the same page, Kami. All it takes is a little bit of honesty on your part. So there's been a lot of good research done about this incident. And one of our Badlands media partners and contributors yesterday, Woke Societies, put up a long thread that compiles much of the news, much of the relevant news on this issue. So I want to go through that. Kanakoa the Great put up one as well. This is from Woke Societies on Twitter. 
While the government is trying to psyop the country with downed UFO stories, a domestic Chernobyl is happening in East Palestine, Ohio, since February 3rd. Dead animals, people getting sick, arrested journalists, and mainstream media blackout. And before we get much deeper in that, it's also worth noting that this thing being compared directly to Chernobyl is something to keep an eye on, right? The scale does not seem comparable from what we've been told about Chernobyl, which, by the way, it's worth assuming that Chernobyl, just like every other historical story we've been told, may not exactly be as truthful as we always thought. It's worth noting that HBO put out a limited series about Chernobyl four or five years ago, a brilliant television series, by the way, but it's not history. It's not required to be real in any way. Not that any of our history is required to be real either for the record, but they also tried to make a big deal of Chernobyl last year around the time that the Russia-Ukraine incident was starting a few weeks into that. They tried to say that there was this huge threat about Chernobyl. Was Russia going to cause a second Chernobyl at Chernobyl, even though that's not possible? Hey, maybe they will. Let's everybody get scared. So we've got a bunch of Chernobyl references, and that's not the only point where this derailment story intersects with what we're hearing in Ukraine. So. Keep it in the back of your mind, but let's put all that aside for now. On February 3rd, a train owned by Norfolk Southern Freight carrying gallons of vinyl chloride, more on that later, derailed in East Palestine, Ohio, and the toxic chemicals spilled into the ground and water. It was later decided by authorities they would burn these chemicals. And I imagine you all have seen pictures and video of the giant black plume of smoke coming up from the wreckage. We first need to dissect how the train was derailed, who owns the freight line and the regulations surrounding the transportation of these toxic chemicals between states. The Biden administration was in a quiet war with the train unions last fall surrounding the nation's railways. There aren't enough workers, pay is not going up, and the lack of workers is causing current workers to work long, exhausting hours, putting safety on the back burner. Add to this the fact that in the last 10 years, the class one carriers have dramatically increased both the length and tonnage of the average train while cutting back on maintenance and inspection. And we have a time bomb ticking just like a decade ago, leading up to the Canadian disaster that destroyed a whole town and took the lives of 47 people. And he links to the report. The name rail workers used to call this system of running trains is called precision scheduled railroading. It increases profits for the owners with less inspections and regulations on what is being carried, putting everyone at risk. And he adds this video explaining. Workers warned us about disaster like this. I heard firsthand months ago about the corporate practice of precision scheduled railroading. Precision scheduled railroading is uh, shorter staff, longer hours, longer trains, less safety, less maintenance. Do I have all that right? Oh, you got it all right. I mean, a lot of the derailments that you're seeing on national TV is one of a few things. It's lack of maintenance on the track, or they've cut the track gangs too short, and they can't get out to fix it, or they've cut the carmen's, which is a union that works on the rail cars. So uh, we have one derailment here in Northeast Ohio where a wheel flange was very thin. It picked a switch, 
and derailed the entire train. Luckily, it was full of candle wax and not something highly volatile. Rail workers tried to strike over this stuff, but were stopped by Congress. A few weeks later, and here we are. Several Norfolk Southern cars of toxic, highly volatile chemicals exploded fantastically in the tiny town of East Palestine, Ohio, 20 miles from where I grew up. So I met Clyde in East Palestine to ask him about it. It looks like a faulty bearing uh, caused a catastrophic derailment. These railroads are turning profits hand over fist. They've cut their workforce to bare bones, and now they're paying the price for it because the wheels are falling off the train, basically. Carmen were inspecting cars about three minutes per car. That's always been the industry standard. Now it's 90 seconds per car. Is that because of PSR? Yes. It's a rush job right now. And these guys are under pressure. I mean, they're working men and women. And, you know, if they don't hurry up and get this car done, they're going to be... And the video cuts off about a second early there. He says if they don't hurry up and get this car done, they're going to be fired. According to More Perfect US, they have cut 22% of these jobs since 2017. In the video above, the former rail worker says inspection per car took on average three minutes. And since the cuts, the workers are pressured to inspect each car in 90 seconds. See where this is going? Norfolk Southern Corporation is owned by Wall Street billionaires and their fourth quarter earnings were huge. And of course, that includes, you guessed it, BlackRock. Fourth quarter railway operating revenue was $3.2 billion, up 13%. And income from railway operations was $1.2 billion, up 5%. Our team delivered double digit performance growth in revenue as well as earnings per share and achieved record revenue and operating income for the year. All of this record income at what cost? And he's citing Norfolk Southern's Q4 report from last year. Norfolk Southern also announced a new $10 billion stock buyback program last year. Documents show that when current transportation safety rules were first created, a federal agency sided with industry lobbyists and limited regulations governing the transport of hazardous compounds. The decision effectively exempted many trains hauling dangerous materials from the high hazard classification and its more stringent safety requirements. Amid the lobbying blitz against stronger transportation safety regulations, Norfolk Southern paid executives millions and spent billions on stock buybacks. The hedge funds let a Norfolk employee fall on the sword while Wall Street is never mentioned in the public eye. And he attaches this video featuring the same former rail worker from the last video. Great points. So I went to a press conference with Norfolk Southern and Ohio Governor Mike DeWine to ask them about this. What could precision scheduled railroad have to do with the axle failure that caused the derailment? I have no idea if it's a mechanical issue. Rail, precision scheduled railroading is a management process. Not a great answer. And that's probably because Norfolk Southern let a worker take the fall rather than a single corporate executive showing up in the town that they polluted to be held accountable. You see, Wall Street owns Norfolk Southern. 74% of shares are owned by a who's who of infamous hedge funds. And this is the business model that they demand. Profit at any cost. And disaster like this is simply a cost of doing business. They cut everything, make all the money, and pay off disasters in tiny flyover towns from the profit. But instead of answering for any of that, they're betting that the corporate media, 
under the same pressure for extreme profit as railroads, will only ask questions about how much cancer people will get and not why this preventable disaster happened. That's a great point. It's also worth wondering why these companies like BlackRock and these other infamous hedge funds who are all tied into the ESG system are not more concerned about the environmental impacts of these profit driven cost cutting measures when they directly compromise the safety of the trains as they carry toxic chemicals that are harmful not only to people, but to the environment. And that's when you remember that ESG scores only exist to force businesses into complying with the global agenda, and they don't really care at all about the actual environmental impacts. They care about complicity. They care that the companies are willing to promote the global agenda. In 2012, a derailment happened in New Jersey and 20,000 gallons of toxic chemicals spilled into the air. And Obama was pushing for rule changes to make these trains safer with ECB brakes. Chemical lobbyists pushed against this and ultimately won, leaving the door open for more disasters. This isn't the first time that this happened in Ohio. In a user named Phelan's thread below, this happened in the 1980s when toxic clouds from a spill from Ohio liquid disposal, residents were paid $500 while the rich made huge profits. Imagine that your whole town is now potentially an unlivable toxic waste site, but you don't know. They say everything's fine, right? The water authorities, the air authorities, all the authoritative sources say that everything is just fine. You just go right on living. No big deal. And hey, if you grow an extra arm in 10 years, well, transhumanists will at least think it's cool. Here's $500. Enjoy. No, we're not going to pay to move you. And of course, we are not going to cover your future medical expenses. What do you think this is? Some kind of charity? We're going to give you $500 because we did a study and determined that that's what would make enough of you shut up. But back to the thread. The sick part about all of this is that when these hedge funds and stock market creeps game plan for their profits, any paybacks to the people who may have life-altering health complications, is factored into the payout. Profit above human life. The house always wins. Now, the majority of the chemicals were burned, but some of them were also buried. The sketchy part? The fixed railroad was built over top the buried spillage. Now, why would they do that and so quickly? Air tests were given, but no ground and water tests? Smells like a cover-up. And he's talking about that prior incident in Ohio. Seems to be the same thing happening now. So that's a lot to take in there, but we have to move on because I think this is the most important thing you need to hear. Areas of containment soil and free liquids were observed and potentially covered and or filled during reconstruction of the rail line, including portions of the trench slash burn pit that was used for the open burn of the vinyl chloride. I think you have to ask a few questions. Number one, why are you learning this from me? Why have they not released water tests since the 4th, but they've released several days of air tests? On the 5th, the EPA said that they were expecting water tests on the 7th or 8th. How much of these chemicals spilled? How much burned? Why was the track rebuilt over buried contaminants? What exact chemicals were spilled, you ask? The major one was vinyl chloride, 
When you burn vinyl chloride, it turns into hydrochloric acid, formaldehyde, and carbon dioxide when it goes into the air. This wasn't the only chemical that was spilled, though. The EPA was not forthcoming with the public and later admitted more chemicals were spilled and also got into waterways and creeks. And he attaches a letter from the EPA to Norfolk Southern from February 10th listing some of the chemicals, vinyl chloride, butyl acrylate, ethyl hexyl acrylate, and ethylene glycol monobutyl ether are known to have been and continue to be released to the air, surface soils, and surface waters. And it's interesting that this brings up burn pits when we have heard Joe Biden brag so much about the burn pit legislation that he has gotten passed. Big round of applause for that last week in the State of the Union. Joe Biden also repeatedly and totally dishonestly claims that Bo Biden's cancer was the result of burn pits in the Middle East. And we're told that's what it's all about. Another side effect caused by burning these chemicals is what's known as diatoxins. These can merge with fatty tissues and stay in cell membranes forever. This is what's been floating around in Ohio for over a week now. The accounties citing Falconry Finance writes, Dioxins are forever chemicals and a small amount concentrates in higher order animals like people. This chemical catastrophe is absolutely going to drop life expectancy in Ohio and Pennsylvania for generations, and animals carry it away after ingesting it. Just six days after the spill, officials told residents it was safe to come back after tests of water and air were completed. But all of that was a lie, as I'm about to drop more evidence of what this has done to the animals, property and people living in this area. The EPA said the water was safe. Look what the residents see. Kirk Kohler with the Ohio Environmental Protection Agency's Office of uh, Emergency Response. As we planned for uh, throughout the burn, we have not found any hits to the waterway. There was no impact. It was anticipated to be that way. Uh, checking during and, and now post has confirmed that. So very positive in, for the protection of the waterway. And we continue that monitoring program. Incident, there was impact to Sulphur Creek and waters of the state of Ohio. Since that point in time, we have been able to successfully control that runoff and contain the water and either treat it in place along with a robust sampling program. So the experts say everything is fine, but the video coming out of Ohio does not back that up. There have been videos of dead fish in the water, dead frogs, dead animals, as one might expect in a chemical environmental disaster. People are reporting dead wildlife all over the place. There are even reports of people's pets dying. And naturally, people are getting sick as well. And of course, they've been telling the world about it on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else. People are reporting respiratory issues, digestive issues, etc. According to a social media post from the East Palestine Police Department, the Potable Well Task Group will knock on doors Saturday where there are quote unquote at risk drinking water wells in the area. The Potable Water Working Group is in the process of determining what private drinking water wells have the potential to be impacted by the incident. Well, that's strange. Having a private well on your property out in the country for instance, used to be one of the healthiest ways to get water. But I guess your personal wells, that groundwater, can't trust it anymore. 
Sorry, we needed faster inspections on the trains. Then the thread jumps mysteries for just a moment. And he says, you ready to put your tinfoil hats on? What if I told you they were preparing Ohio residents for an incident such as this just a few months back in a Netflix production called White Noise, where residents in Ohio are evacuated because of a dangerous train derailment. And this movie, White Noise, is based on a Don DeLillo uh, novel from the 80s. One of the stars of White Noise is Adam Driver, who we just saw in a Super Bowl commercial telling us about the singularity. The thread notes that residents of East Palestine, Ohio, were actually cast as extras in the movie that was filmed in this town where the actual train derailment happened. And according to normies on the internet, that is also not weird. It is just a coincidence. The book was written like 40 years ago about that town, and it just so happens they put out the movie just a couple of years ago but all this stuff is unrelated, and I'm not saying that it is related, but your first reaction every time you see stuff that is totally anomalous like this should not be to think, oh, I've heard about that sort of thing happening all the time, everywhere. Yeah, they put out a movie. What do you think? They knew that the train was just going to derail? Yeah, okay, we get it, Kami. Everything that happens is just random coincidence. Nothing means anything. Nothing connects to anything else. Now, please go back to talking about your new age spirituality where everything is connected. But back to the thread. Now, here comes the cover up. A News Nation journalist, Evan Lambert, was arrested for live covering the events in Ohio. He was in the back of the room doing his job and was arrested for no reason. And it's true. He was manhandled taken out of the press conference because he was asking the wrong questions. He was being threatened with arrest just for doing his job as a journalist. If this story wasn't a big deal, if it's the sort of story that happens all the time, well, why is the censorship regime making sure that people aren't going to report about it? Oh, yeah, it's because BlackRock and Vanguard and all of them own the company. Reports are now coming in that the Ohio River is contaminated and going as far as West Virginia. Yesterday, another train derailed in NRE, South Carolina, and another in Houston, killing the driver. Finally, Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg came out and made a statement. He said, I continue to be concerned about the impacts of the February 3rd train derailment near East Palestine, Ohio, and the effects on families in the 10 days since their lives were upended through no fault of their own. It's important that families have access to useful and accurate information. That's why I'm addressing you 10 days after the incident. I said that part, not him. But back to Pete. The U.S. Department of Transportation has been supporting the investigation led by the National Transportation Safety Board. Our Federal Rail Administration and Pipelines and Hazardous Materials teams were on site within hours of the initial incident and continue to be actively engaged. We will look to these investigation results and based on them, use all relevant authorities to ensure accountability and continue to support safety. In the meantime, our federal partners at EPA are on site and monitoring indoor and outdoor air quality to test for VOCs and other chemicals of concern. EPA has screened 291 homes and no detections were identified and 
181 homes remain. And Mayor Pete gives a phone number that people can call if they want to have their home screened by Mayor Pete's people. Now, let's go through Kanakoa the Great's thread a little bit because he layers in a few more details. He says in his thread, you are looking at a toxic cocktail of deadly chemicals purposefully being burned off in East Palestine after a train derailment. Authorities burned off vinyl chloride, which is toxic and carcinogenic and released harmful and dangerous hydrogen chloride and phosgene gas into the air. Phosgene was used as a chemical weapon in World War One, and within the last week, there have been reports from independent journalists in Ukraine about phosgene gas being loaded onto drones and then being used to attack Russian forces. Now, you have to take those reports for what they are. They're not confirmed, not that anything ever could be, but chemical weapons attacks by Ukrainian Nazis attached to drones does not sound impossible. Kenakoa goes on. Phosgene is a highly toxic, colorless gas with a strong odor that causes vomiting and breathing trouble, and it was used as a chemical weapon in World War I. Hydrogen chloride is a colorless to yellowish gas with a strong odor that causes skin, eye, nose, and throat irritation. The Wisconsin Department of Health notes that, quote, exposure to vinyl chloride can affect a person's liver, kidney, lungs, spleen, nervous system, and blood. Human and animal studies show higher rates of liver, lung, and several other types of cancer. But don't worry, Mayor Pete and the EPA are on the case. The vinyl chloride burn occurred near the Ohio River, which flows directly into the Mississippi River. Thousands of farms may be affected by this. The EPA sent a letter to the rail company stating that ethylene glycol, monobutyl ether, ethyl hexyl acrylate, and isobutylene were also in the rail cars. We basically nuked a town with chemicals so we could get a railroad open, says Sil Caggiano, a hazardous materials specialist. Kanakoa goes on. Amanda Brashears found her chickens dead 10 miles from East Palestine. As soon as they started the burn, my chickens slowed down and they died. If it can do this to chickens in one night, imagine what it's going to do to us in 20 years. Jumping down in the thread, Kanakoa notes that the top 10 railroad owners of the Norfolk Southern Corporation include Vanguard, J.P. Morgan Investment Management, BlackRock, SSGA Funds Management, Lazard Asset Management, Capital Research and Management, Geode Capital Management, Wells Fargo Clearing Services, and another sector of Lazard. Kanakoa also notes that video has emerged showing sparks and flames under the train 20 miles before the train derailment in East Palestine. And the reports are saying that this is the sort of thing that the train systems are designed to detect so that the train can be stopped and the problem can be fixed 20 miles out before the train actually derailed. There were indications of problems. Norfolk Southern Corporation, with total assets worth $38 billion in 2020, operates the railway that caused the toxic chemical release in East Palestine, Ohio. Last Monday, the company made a $25,000 donation to assist evacuating residents. Gosh, they must be so thankful. Norfolk Southern Corporation manages 19,420 
Root Miles in 22 eastern states in the District of Columbia and has rights in Canada over the Canadian Pacific Railway's Albany to Montreal route. Around 6% of its deliveries are chemical. And he wraps up with another quote from the same man, Sil Caggiano, the hazardous materials expert. He says, Phosgene takes a special photo ionization lamp or a special meter. What are they checking for? They only give lists of what they have found. They're not telling you what they are checking for. Norfolk Southern checking your house out is like the fox guarding the hen house. You don't know the long-term effects. So yet another massive disaster with virtually no explanation. In a normal world, in the world that many of us thought we lived in for our entire lives, where journalists actually cared about telling people the truth and they really were trying to protect their friends and family and their neighbors, their communities at large, by finding out what the people in power were doing to them, how they were being mistreated and lied to. In that world, all of this stuff would be very, very bad, especially for a fake president. But that's not the world we live in. We live in this world. And in this world, all of these stories that should be very, very bad for the fake president are in fact not bad at all. They're actually productive because they take attention off just how very, very bad and very, very fake the very fake president is. What are people going to do? Get mad at Pete Buttigieg for a couple of days and then go back to talking about Sam Smith? Nobody's blaming the fake president for any of this because there's something else to figure out instead. There's always something else to figure out instead. Distraction on top of distraction on top of distraction. A thousand mysteries at once. And all you need is an army of people who are willing to go out there and tell you that all of this stuff is coincidence. None of it actually matters. We can't say anything conclusively about any of this stuff. So the best solution is to pretend that it's all normal. And that nothing's wrong at all. And if you keep digging into these stories and saying, hey, I just found out this critical detail. Does that change your calculus on the importance of this situation? And they say, no, looking for more details is conspiratorial thinking. What are you doing, you crazy person? And then it all just goes away. And what is the biggest mystery of all? Well, it's Damar Hamlin and how he died and then came back to life and now keeps showing up at football games. Apparently, he sat down for an interview with the regime's mouthpiece, Michael Strahan, where he described in no uncertain terms how he died from commotio cordis and is now just continuing to live. I see you. The question on so many minds, what caused his heart to stop beating? You're 24, peak physical condition, can run circles around me right now. <laughs> <laughs> How did doctor describe what happened to you? Um, um, that's something I want to stay away from. I know from my experience at the NFL, they do more tests than anything. And in the course of you having your physical, did anybody ever come back with any, say you had a heart issue or anything that was abnormal? Uh, honestly, no. Um, I've always been a, a, a healthy, young, fit, 
energetic, uh, you know, human being, let alone mm-hmm. athlete. Um, so it, it was something that was just that we we still processing and I'm still talking through with my doctors just to see what everything was. See, just like I said, no uncertain terms. Damar Hamlin got asked what happened to his heart. What made your heart stop? And he said, commotio cordis. Oh, wait, that's not what happened at all. He said, that's something I want to stay away from. So you don't know. You can't know. It's just going to be a mystery. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. 
On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab, and I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at imyourmoderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!